This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Big opening Tuesday night is behind us. Now looking ahead to an 11-game NBA Wednesday, we're going to talk some rookie fantasy outlooks, a few potential breakout players, and joining me now, Tommy Beer. Tommy, how are you? I'm doing well. The NBA season has arrived, so I am in a good mood, my friend. <laughs> and this, you know, the Tuesday is kind of always the soft launch. This is kind of the big moment where it really hits you that it's here. Yes, yes. Right around, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock when you're trying to keep track of stats and scores and all that good stuff that we love. Um, it's a, a The season has then officially arrived. Yeah. Once you get into like box score chasing, you're jumping around between seven box scores. That's when you know you're there. Exactly. All right. So obviously a ton of things to watch from a fantasy perspective on this Wednesday night, but we're going to focus first and foremost on the rookies. And this year, it feels like more than in recent years, there are some rookies who are ready to produce. Absolutely. You know, this this year coming into the draft, I think a lot of people assumed that this would be one of the more talented, uh, you know, kind of stacked rookie classes that we've seen in a while. And so far in the preseason, I think we've seen just that exactly. Some, some very promising rookies out there. All right. So we're going to run through some of the top names and talk about their fantasy outlook short and long term. Start with DeAndre Ayton. Now, even including the game where he played just 15 minutes in the preseason finale, Aiton averaged 18.2 points, 9.8 boards, and 2.0 blocks in the preseason. Just monster preseason numbers. Do you have any doubt he can hit or at least approach those numbers during the regular season? I think it's going to be difficult for him to approach those. You know, I shouldn't say approach. I, I think he'll be around those numbers during the regular season. Obviously, with the preseason, you know, um, once the games start counting for real, um, the Suns don't have a ton of talent. Obviously, Devin Booker um, and, and, and some other players that can put the ball in the basket. But uh, I think you'll see teams really focus on Aiden um, if he proves over the first couple of games that, that this is for real. But um, as you mentioned, in terms of talent, what this guy brings to the table is incredible. You know, you mentioned his fifth game wasn't great over his first four games, averaged 20.5 points. 11.5 boards and 2.5 blocks. Uh, shot almost 60% from the floor. Made his free throws almost 80% from the free throw line. There's really so much to like about this kid. His stock has really skyrocketed um, in terms of his fantasy value. Um, if you drafted early in October, you were probably able to get him at a far more reasonable ADP. Um, if you drafted recently after his kind of onslaught during the preseason, you really had to reach to get him. Um, but it looks like no matter how far you had to had to jump up the board, um, he certainly looks like he could deliver the goods this season. Yeah, I was going to say, even if you're drafted yesterday or a couple days ago and you had to, you know, pick in the 35-40 range to take Aiden, that still might be a steal the way things are headed. I mean, those numbers you mentioned over those four preseason games, those are basically his college stats. So pretty crazy to see him already showing he can replicate that. Agreed. Yeah, I think 35-40 is probably a ceiling. There, I think I, I looked it up this morning. There are only six rookies in NBA history to average at least 20 points, 10 boards and two blocks. Um, so that would really be, uh, you know, so, somewhat unprecedented numbers uh, in recent, uh, recent history, at least. Um, last player to do so was Alonzo Mourning and Shaq. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, th- there's certainly um, reason to be very optimistic, especially if you stole them in like in the f- 60s or 70s in an early draft. 
And another guy, actually a guy who basically was going in the 60s and 70s range, was Luka Doncic. His ADP on Yahoo around 76, but I think it's been up recently. Certainly has in my recent drafts. Now, he was good in a lot of categories in the preseason. Points, boards, assists, steals, even blocks, hitting threes. The one thing I'll ask you, Tommy, he was 12 for 19 from the free throw line, 63%. Are there any concerns for you about Doncic there or anywhere else? Any areas he could be a liability for fantasy owners? I'm not overly concerned, to be honest. Um, If you look at his European numbers, played about 175 games in the Spanish ACB League and shot over 80% from the stripe, over 81% each of the last two seasons when he kind of had some some heavy free throw numbers. Um, So he's been a consistent free throw shooter, has a solid form, good stroke. I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. Ditto for turnovers. Um, You know, wasn't too turnover prone. Obviously, has a very high basketball IQ, was a good facilitator, sees the floor well. Um, And as you mentioned, uh, he really stuffed the stat sheet. He's actually only one of two players um, of all NBA players this preseason to average at least four points, four boards, two blocks, and two threes. The other was James Harden. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of exactly what this kid brings to the table. I'm a huge Luka Doncic supporter. Um, drafted him in as many leagues as I possibly could this month. I think he's going to win the Rookie of the Year award. Um, and like Aiden, I think he's another guy with top 50 overall talent. Um, you know, it's top 40, top 30 as, you know, as a ceiling as well. Yeah, I'm finding myself wishing I'd gotten some Luka Doncic's on my teams. I I kept getting beaten to him, and I'm kind of bummed out about it. I think he's going to be a lot of fun to own. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk now about another guy who could be a lot of fun to own, but also could be or is likely to be a liability, Trey Young. Now, I'm a Hawks fan, so I'm pretty excited to see him this year. When we're talking about fantasy, though, I am very concerned about the field goal percentage. He was around... 40% 40% of the preseason, 39 on 13 attempts a game. I think he's going to be, I think points, threes, assists, steals are all going to be there for Trey Young. I think he's going to be really dynamic, but how valuable do you think he's going to be in fantasy? Yeah, I think he's a guy that could really anchor, you know, could, could really hurt your team in, in, in nine cat leagues and field goal percentage. You know, over the second half of his college season in Oklahoma, you know, shot around 37, 38% from the floor. Um, I think for the year he finished up around 39%. You know, and he takes a, is a high volume shooter. He's going to take a lot of shots. So that can really drag you down. Um, you know, the, the Hawks are in rebuild mode. They're going to let him do his thing. Um, so with that, you're going to get plenty of high-scoring, explosive offensive nights, but plenty of also, you know, two for 13s, four for 17 nights. I definitely foresee a bunch of those in the future. Um, and the other issue is turnovers. Um, averaged over five turnovers per game as a freshman at OU. Definitely very turnover-prone. Looks to make great passes and can make them. Certainly does make them on occasion, um, but it leads to a lot of turnovers as well. Unlike the first two rookies we discussed, I'm not all that high on Trey Young um, in nine cat leagues. Um, I definitely think there's value there. I think he's going to be exciting to watch. Um, in a points league, I love him. But as you mentioned, that field goal and, and turnover categories could certainly be a red flag yeah and and this might be a case where if you're in a weekly league a head-to-head league he's going to win you some leagues he's going to single-handedly lose you some weeks and the one the one other thing i'll say about trey young is if he does get off to a slow start please don't sell low whatever you do because we saw him struggle in summer league then pick it up i think there could be a, a stretch here early in the season where you're like oh this guy looks awful but i think he will figure it out i don't think the shooting is going to be great this year but but don't sell low if he starts slow. T- totally agree there. And also, I, I, you know, the Hawks have no reason to yank him out of lineup. They're just going to let him throw him out on the floor, let him run, let him do his thing. He's going to take his lumps. Um, he's going to have some bad nights. But obviously, um, they're looking at ping pong balls, you know, this season um, and looking to get him some experience. So they certainly won't discourage him from being who he is. And that's a gunner. 
Well, if you're feeling like your fantasy squad may be a lottery team like the Hawks and you want to start a new team, you can do so at draft.com. Use the promo code RW and play for free. These are 2 to 12 team snake drafts. On average, they take less than 10 minutes. So if you want to draft a new team now, go to draft.com. Use the promo code RW. All right, continuing on with our rookie preview here, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think it's obvious why we're all, in theory, excited about him. The potential combo of steals, blocks, and threes. And he did hit threes in preseason, one per game. But he only had one total steal and two total blocks. Are you optimistic that those defensive stats will be there for him eventually? I'm not as optimistic. I'm not on high in Jaron Jackson Jr. as some of our other Roto colleague, Roto World colleagues are um, for a couple reasons. Um, one, he is literally the youngest player in the draft, will be the youngest player in the league this season. And he's and he's playing on a team that's not in tank mode. Uh, the Grizzlies, uh, although they had a terrible season last year, have made the play of seven of the eight previous seasons. Uh, so seven in a row heading into last season. Um, they're not a team that's, uh, you know, looking to rebuild or, you know, build into the future. They have two guys on max contracts and Mike Connolly and Marcus Soule. They signed Kyle Anderson to $40 million contract this offseason. You know, obviously they also have Chandler Parsons, that disaster contract on their books. Um, so they're, you know, they're not a team that's that's overly concerned about ping poles. They're going to compete for a playoff spot. Now, Jaron Jackson Jr. will help them play. Um, he'll help them win games. He's that talented despite his young age. But I don't, I don't see him getting the minutes, the looks, the opportunities as some of the other rookies. I think on a permanent basis, I think he'll block shots and, and shoot threes. He actually shot a higher percentage from three-point territory than Trey Young did um, when they were both freshmen last season. So um, the kid's ultra-talented, I think, in a couple of years. I think a dynasty league, obviously, um, he's a guy you want to own, but I'm not quite as high on him heading into this season as some others might be. I don't know if this happened for you, Tommy, in your drafts, but I felt like there was a bit of rookie mania from fantasy owners. And honestly, if you basically took the approach of fading the rookies other than Aiton and Doncic, you could get some great value while people were reaching for rookies throughout your draft. Now, I'm not going to say these guys are going to be useless all year, but I do feel like we're putting huge expectations on Jaron Jackson Jr. and the guy we're about to talk about in a second, Marvin Bagley. I totally agree. I, I think especially once guys saw Aiton and, and, and Doncic go off the board, they might have got antsy and said, I want one of these guys. There's, you know, there's always that, uh, that, that unpredictable aspect of a fantasy draft when um, you don't just want to dra- you know, there, There's something unsexy about drafting Joe Ingles when you could draft the guy. <laughs> you know, it's just that type totally. of player. But those are the type of dudes that, that win you leagues. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm totally of a like mind there. I happily um, snatched up a lot of guys that were boring and, and uh, you know, didn't necessarily, you know, generate comments, uh, you know, when the drafts. I'm like, oh, I wanted him. But if you uh, flesh out your roster with enough boring, stable guys, um, there's a very good chance you're going to be, uh, you know, up towards the top of the leaderboard at the end of the season, in my opinion. I think you hit the poster child for exactly what you're talking about <laughs> with Joe Ingles. I, I took him in a couple of leagues. I felt you almost feel bad about it. You're like, sorry, everyone, for the boring <laughs> pick, you know, like, yep. but dude, the guy, I mean. I, he's kind of fun to watch play, but he's 31. He looks kind of goofy. Yep. I mean, he's just, he's not super dynamic, though. Really good shooter. Anyways, the point is, yeah, super valuable players like that could be had in the middle of your draft while other people are reaching for excitement. And I'm all for excitement, by the way. Yep. <laughs> all right, so continuing on with the rookies, Marvin Bagley, number two overall pick. Now, he, here's the thing. I think we think Bagley is going to figure out how to score and probably rebound. Uh, But he only hit one three-pointer in the preseason, one for eight in that department. He did have five blocks in six games. 
The real question here is, do you think he's going to do enough outside of points and boards to be a long-term fantasy asset this year? I don't. I'm not high on Bagley. Uh, the Kings in and of themselves worry me a great deal. It's just the unpredictability there. You know, you got Harry Giles going to fight for minutes. Willie Cauley-Stein. Does Scal get some more minutes backing up there? Is Zach Randolph completely out of rotation? Does he play 15 minutes a night? Will he start some nights? Uh, Bielitz is there as well. Uh, they brought him in the offseason. He could get some minutes at the four. Um, so it's just a lot of uh, a lot of clogged uh, you know, front court situation there in Sacramento. And just in terms of, of sheer fantasy stats wise, um, Bagley's not a guy that's likely, he hasn't shown that he can knock down NBA threes. I don't expect that um, to be a big part of his game, at least during his rookie season. Um, field goal percentage should be decent. He'll get a lot of good looks in and around the basket, um, but never was a great defensive player. He was a poor defensive player, actually, for, for much of his time as a freshman. Uh, so I, don't, I wouldn't expect steals and blocks to be all that significant. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, in a nine category league, I just don't see him bringing enough to the table. Um, I don't see him playing enough minutes, getting enough opportunities uh, to really be a, dy- a dynamic player, especially, uh, you know, in contrast to some, uh, you know, the, the top rookies in this class. All right. Now the Knicks have a guy, and, and of course you, the Knicks are near and dear to your heart. They have a guy who at times has looked dynamic, certainly did in summer league, Kevin Knox. Uh, some shaky shooting numbers in the preseason and now word coming down that looks like he's not going to start the opener. Do you think Knox is going to be worth the risk in fantasy leagues this season? I guess it all depends on ADP and you know what you have to give up to get him. If you're thinking about trade and form, et cetera. I'm a little bit lower on Knox than I was a couple weeks ago, certainly than all of us were coming out of summer league. Um, I think he kind of showed the flaws that a lot of folks were worried about heading into the the NBA draft um, when the Knicks scooped him up and uh, you know at nine, which some people thought was a reach. It, it certainly looked like a, a great pick uh, after summer league, but he, he kind of came back down to earth uh, in the preseason. Um, as you mentioned, uh, started out with. The good first game double doubled in that first contest, the first preseason, um, but really struggled from the floor in games thereafter. Actually, finished the preseason making just one of his final 14 three point attempts. I think he'll get plenty of scoring looks. Uh, the Knicks without Porzingis uh, certainly will need somebody, anybody to contribute offensively, and I think they'll lean on Knox. Uh, again, you know, much like the Hawks with Trey Young, the Knicks are in rebuilding mode, they've embraced it. Uh, for instance, Courtney Lee is one of the better players. He might not even be part of the rotation. Um, uh, yeah, word came down that uh, David Fisdale decided to start Frank Nielakina over Knox in the season opener tonight against the Hawks. I wouldn't be overly concerned about him get him getting bumped out of the starting lineup. I think he'll still get his minutes going forward. Um, you know, uh, Fisdale has said you know right off the bat, I'm going to play a lot of guys. I'm going to go nine to ten deep in my rotation. Basically, every guy, you know, every quality guy is going to go, you know, 25 minutes, 28 minutes, kind of in that neck of the woods. Um, So I think Knox will certainly get his opportunities. I am definitely worried about his field goal percentage, and I'm not sure if he brings enough to the table in terms of steals and and, uh, blocks, etc. I think he'll he'll knock down some threes. He's a good rebounder, 6'9", good rebounder for a small forward, and I think he'll score plenty of points. I think there'll be a lot of 20-point nights, um, but there'll also be some poor shooting percentages. So uh, if I had to predict, I'd probably say he ends the year somewhere around 125th overall in nine cat leagues. You know, kind of that 110 to 130 range, I, I think, is probably a safe estimate for him if I had to gander a guess. Okay, so right on the line of someone you might start uh, for some four-game weeks and things like that. But, you know, it's funny when you talk about Knox and we talk about Trey Young. I don't know if I'm getting older or I'm getting wiser or some combo of both, but I I started to treat my percentages kind of like fine china. Like, I, I just... One player who, who guns a six for 20 every now and then can just kill you, uh, even in a head-to-head league. you you got to be really careful with your percentages. you you got to 
you got to fade some of these guys if you you know if you want to have one of the top teams. Totally agree. There's only so many of those guys that you can kind of handle um, and, and and kind of build your you know rotation unless you unless you you know you decide to go the old field goal punt route, um, which is certainly reasonable. You know, depending on who you you know you draft early, if you want to just kind of tank the category altogether, that's certainly a strategy. But um, if you have enough guys that shoot enough volume, and again, like Trey Young, uh, Knox is a guy that's going to get you know probably 13, 14 shots a night. Um, so if he's shooting you know 37, 38 percent. That could certainly, uh, you know, do some damage. All right, last rookie want to hit on here. And by the way, a little waiver alert, as we mentioned on the podcast yesterday. Shea Gilgis-Alexander owned in just 19% of Yahoo leagues as of this taping. Do you think we'll see him emerge as a fantasy starter at some point this year? He averaged 1.6 steals in right around 20 minutes a game this preseason. So that's one area he could be a contributor right away. I love SGA's talent. Um, uh, He's a guy in dynasties I certainly target. Um, Love his long-term potential. But I'm just too worried about the the, the, the glut of guards in Los Angeles right now. Um, you got Patrick Beverly, um, who I think is a little bit underrated. You know, certainly starting quality guard in the league. Uh, Milos Teodosic, we hadn't really seen his best play as of yet. Um, I think he contributed a little bit more than he did last year. Um, in addition, they got obviously Lou, Lou Williams, um, who's a stud. And, you know, is kind of the focal point of their offense. Going to play a lot of shooting guard. Ditto for Avery Bradley. Um, they drafted Jerome Robinson in the first round right after Shea. So, you know, so there's are six quality guards I didn't even mention. Mentions in Darius Thornwell, um, who played a lot as, as a rookie last year. He's in the mix as well. So you got, you know, real six quality guards there. I don't know how Doc's going to divvy up those minutes, but I'd be hesitant to invest too heavily in Shea um, in shallower leagues. In deeper leagues, he's certainly worth a flyer. Um, if you have a deep bench, etc., um, as a guy you want to keep an eye on. And certainly, will pro- I could see him jumping off the waiver wire. Should Beverly go down with an injury, he certainly would be um, one of those guys you'd want to jump on. Is it is it fair to apply similar logic to Colin Sexton, or do you have Sexton higher on your board than SGA? I have Sexton a little bit higher, but certainly not as high as uh, Mike Gallagher and some of our, our other Roto World guys. Um, for the same reason, I think George Hill um, is a quality established starter. You know, he was uh, you know certainly a little bit underrated at this stage of the game. Um, but the Cavs are, are a team that uh, you know Dan Gilbert and the coaching staff and the players um, have been adamant that they are not interested in rebuilding, even though they lost LeBron. Um, they're trying to compete for a playoff spot. So I don't think they'll lean too heavily on Colin Sexton um, going forward. I think, uh, you know, he could be a guy that, um, you know, is, is kind of a, a sexy name right now, but might not be worth a roster spot in a month or so. All right. Speaking of sexy names, we are going to take a jump now to some potential breakout players. Just a handful of guys that the Roto World Hoops crew is high on that you might see going kind of surprisingly high in your drafts potentially. I want to get your outlook on a few of these guys, Tommy. And we'll start with Jonathan Isaac. Now, you mentioned Mike Gallagher. He's he's you know <laughs> carrying the, the Jonathan Isaac jersey around. I think he's got a Jonathan Isaac fat heads around his home. Uh <laughs> And we didn't see Isaac a lot during preseason. You know, his, he topped out at 20 minutes in any game. I think he only played in three preseason games. Any concern for you that he could be a slow starter, maybe not getting the minutes we hope he will early on? Yeah, I'm not as high on Isaac as most. I think um, I think there's certainly reason to be optimistic. But the other thing that really worries me about him is, in addition to the, the minutes limit, um, is potential injuries. You know, it's a guy that just could not get his ankle right last season and, and then tweaked it early in the preseason that kept him out a couple games. It looks like he's good now, should start the season, certainly shouldn't be an issue. Uh, I, I certainly understand Gallagher's optimism, you know, per 36, uh, you know, two blocks 
blocks, two steals, and a three. Um, one of the very few players, you know, that uh, Gallagher so fond of calling him is, is kind of a, you know, uh, built in that uh, Gerald Wallace, Gerald Crash Wallace mode. Um, and, and guys that, you know, that have played fantasy back then, you know, understand just how valuable that type of player is. Um, I'm not as high on him as some other guys. Um, I think I had him around 80 overall in my, my top 150. Um, and I think that makes sense, you know, given, you know, it, I think Gallagher wins if he plays 28 minutes a night. Um, but I think it's, if I had to bet the over-under on, on say, 24, I'd probably take the under. Um, so it's difficult for a guy to be that, uh, you know, valuable in terms of fantasy aspect if he's only logging, you know, less than 25 minutes a night or so. Yeah, I'm with you. And by the way, you just made me pretty nostalgic for Crash Balls. <laughs> I just hopped on to basketball reference there. Dude, I mean, some of these stat lines are just the best. I, I'm looking at 2005-06, 2.5 steals, 2.1 blocks. What a beast. I Crazy. Guy. He, he was the man. All right. So another guy who has shown he's a super exciting player, Dennis Smith Jr. And I have found that in my draft, certainly, he hasn't exactly been going in the position of a guy who was a huge liability last year. Now, I love the the player. I, lo- I love the dunks. I love the excitement. But remember, he shot 40% from the field and 70 from the line last year. Now, he shot a lot better from the field this preseason, but 65 from the line... How much do you think his percentages could hold him back? I'm not that high in DSJ. Listen, if your league counts really cool dunks in pregame warm-ups, um, you know, then you want to bump him up your, your chi-chis a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that the field goal percentage is definitely a concern. You know, free throw is an issue. Um, he, he's not a big three-point shooter, uh, average less than two a game. I think if he can knock down th- – you know, two three pointers per game. I think that'll greatly increase his value this season. And if he can shoot around, you know, even close to league average, you know, if he can get up above forty two percent, you know, forty one percent, he won't be as much of a liability. I'm personally not willing to gamble on that happening. Um, so I didn't uh, walk away with the DSJ in any of my drafts. Um, I wasn't willing to to reach for him in the sixties and the seventies, or even the low eighties, as a bunch of other people were. Um, so I, I ended up not getting him just for those reasons you listed. Again, percentages like fine China. Uh, here's one that, honestly, I, has been perplexing to me, and maybe I've just lost it. But but I did a draft last night with Mike Gallagher, 12-team league, and Alfred Payton went in the sixth round, 66 overall. Am I missing something, Tommy? He was 129th overall in nine-category leagues last year. Do you see him making a big leap? I don't. Um, even when he was starting and playing heavy minutes for the Magic and um, getting triple doubles, he's actually the, the Magic uh, franchise leader in triple doubles. Um, you know, we, we again, he's a guy that that really hurts you in percentages. Um, not a good three point shooter. You know, gets you some steals. Um, he's a very good rebounder for a point guard. Um, so he'll you know he'll he'll definitely give you those those counting stats. If you play in a points league, certainly far more valuable. Um, but a nine cat league, I'm certainly not even considering him in the sixties, um, let alone before one hundred. I think the Pels certainly found success with Rondo at the point guard and, and Drew Holiday playing off off the ball at the two. And I think they'll roll out that, that kind of same system uh, going forward. So I think Holiday will get, you know, I'm sorry, Peyton rather will get plenty of minutes. Um, and I think he's a decent pick, you know, in the 10th, 11th round, somewhere along those lines. Uh, if you need a point guard, but uh, I certainly wouldn't reach for him that high, no. Yeah, I mean, I can see how with all the talent around him, he could be in the top 100 range. He, you know, he could even be higher than that, potentially. I just, yeah, I wouldn't go for him in the 70 range. One last name here, Tommy. You and I were talking before we recorded. You're saying you got James Johnson in a ton of your drafts. I think people might be sleeping on him. You know, a couple of years ago, he was really, really good for Miami. Last year, didn't seem to be fully healthy. Doesn't seem to be fully healthy at the start of this year. But he's a guy who you're basically getting at the end of your drafts for free and... 
if it breaks right, he, he's got, you know, like seven, eight category potential. I love James Johnson. Yeah, you mentioned um, when people ask me, you know, that what's the guy you have the most shares of? I am fully invested in James Johnson's stock. Um, I didn't necessarily plan to do so going into, you know, three weeks ago. I didn't think I'd be um, the number one, uh, you know, the president of the James Johnson fan club. Um, but he just ended up slipping in a ton of drafts. I mean, you know, when the 130s, the 140s, as you mentioned, the last round, second to last round, you know, I kind of took him around, you know, 110 in my early drafts. But then, you know, and I already had him in a couple of drafts. So I kept, I would wait on him longer and longer and he kept on slipping. So yeah, as you mentioned, I think he was 60th, you know, top 70 in terms of nine cat uh, fantasy leagues two years ago. Uh, last season was obviously disappointing, but even with a disappointing season, I think he finished 106 overall or you know, just right around 100 uh, per game in nine cat leagues. Um, he's one of those guys, you know, one of those boring guys, you know, not quite as boring as Joe Ingles, but, um, you know, he's, he's cut from a similar cloth in the respect that he's not going to, you know, score 20 points or, you know, average 10 rebounds or, you know, knock down four threes a game. Um, but he's, he just benefits you and, and is so, you know, consistent across the board, threes, blocks, steals, good percentages, um, doesn't hurt you anywhere. And those guys are the type of guys that you can kind of build a foundation foundation on and and really especially if you can get him in the last round of drafts um and he, he sounds like he's going to miss opening night um and you know hopefully they they get him right you know when he and he sits out a week or so and if he because if he comes back 100 percent and plays 70 plus games a season i have no doubt that'll finish in the top 100 overall in, in nine cat leagues so james johnson owned in 60 percent of yahoo leagues that you know that means he's basically drafted in most most leagues that aren't super shallow but if you're in a super shallow league see if he's out there if you drafted him Wait it out. You know, once if everything's right with that guy in terms of health, as you said, the numbers will follow. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and he's especially if you have an IR spot, um, you know, stash him on there. It's, you know, in, in a lot of Yahoo leagues, I see um, guys don't take advantage of their IR spot. Um, you should definitely always have a guy in your IR spot, um, even if you don't draft a guy. You know, whenever you make that first ad drop, before you make that ad, you know, drop somebody, add somebody with an IR, stash him on IR, and then pick up your other player. Um, it's just you know, you're not fully utilizing a roster if you don't do so. And an IR spot is a subtle but great improvement to any league. They're the best. Agreed. All right. Hey, Tommy, you've got a column out recently on some over-unders, right? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, just talk, talked a little bit about um, – I picked out my five uh, you know, favorite – Teams that I think will exceed their over/unders based on what you know what Vegas has has set. Um, so a, a little bit of an interesting reading as we kind of branch out into some some gambling talk at Roto World this season. I love it. Check it out on RotoWorld.com. Mike Gallagher will be back at the end of the week with his DFS podcast. We'll be doing these things Monday, Wednesday, and Friday this season. And big eleven game night coming up. A lot to follow. So keep it tuned to the Roto World Player at News page. Tommy, thanks for doing this, man. It was fun. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me, buddy. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 